Welcome to the PE Podcast. Welcome to the PE Podcast. Today I have the pleasure of talking to Kat Whittle from Get Set for Sport and Get Set for PE. Welcome Kat. Thank you very much. Um, I met you about five years ago. Mm. Uh, I was planning today and thinking about the first time I went to Montem School. Yeah. And you and your company were working in there. Yeah. And it was a real pleasure to see you do a particular dodgeball session that I remember you delivering a yes. very long time ago. Yeah. But definitely the best dodgeball session I've seen <laughs> since and before. Um, would you like to maybe start by telling us a little bit about your journey, your background? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started out as a secondary PE teacher and I qualified up at Birmingham University where I taught secondary PE for a couple of years. And I also met Natalie, who is now my business partner in both of the companies you just mentioned. She was also doing um, a teacher training. We actually met playing netball together. And then I moved back down to London, which is where I was originally from. And before I went travelling, I got asked to do some PE teaching in primary schools in one of the schools that I knew. And I did. And I thought, wow, there's a real big need here for some additional support, really. So when I got back from travelling, I spoke to Natalie and said... Um, what do you think we could you know set up this uh, company where we can just go in and support primary schools um, and she did she moved down um, to Hertfordshire god 10 years ago now and uh, get set for P grew sorry get set for sport grew um, I'm based in Islington so a, a lot of our schools um, nicely for me seem to crop up around here also out in Hertfordshire where Natalie lives and um, yeah the roles just sort of developed from there we we started out predominantly covering PPA time um, myself and Natalie and I, as we grew we looked to expand our team but it was difficult for us in the first instance because we wanted to make sure we maintain the quality of the of the services providing you know coming from an educational background we knew what high quality PE looked like and we wasn't going to put anything out there under our name that wasn't just that um, and so gradually we grew and we knew that we would never be bigger than something we couldn't manage um, so we started also to put together sort of lesson plans and something that would be standardised for our team um, that we could go and monitor and check that everyone's, you know, delivering the high quality that we expect with the content we expect. And then with most re- recent changes in the way PE is structured and with all the um, sports premium funding that's out there and the guidelines on how to spend it, our roles sort of changed a little bit in that we were doing a lot more of supporting teachers in their delivery of PE as well as the need for PPA cover. I mean, that's still a need in some schools. Every school, I think, has a different need. Um, and that's when we then reached into developing Get Set for PE. So mm, Fascinating. So if I take you back to before you decided to be a secondary PE teacher, mm. lots of options probably available. Why mm. did you choose PE at that stage? Honest truth. <laughs> so, I've, so I loved sports always. My mum was my netball coach growing up. My sister's now my netball coach now. I still play netball. So that was a big part of my life. So choosing PE, I did a PE sports and um, community studies um, degree at Birmingham. So that wasn't the hard part. Deciding to stay on and do a a teaching degree, I think it was because I wanted to stay at university probably a bit longer. I loved it. I loved education, wanted to be there a bit longer. And um, I loved working with people and children. Loved it. Always have done. they're just exciting people to be around, right? Young people with all these fantastic ideas and mm. and sort of no holdbacks. It was it's uh, 
quite inspiring and refreshing. So I yeah. think that's what started me off. Yeah. Okay. So you've mentioned netball a couple of times. That was your big. That was your big thing when yeah. you were a child. Still is. Still is. Still yeah. is yeah. Oh, yeah. So I coach okay. for London Pulse uh, most recently, the new franchise in London, yeah. and are connected to their under fifteen squad. But I also led with. Um, the Islington partnership, they asked us to go in and do the Netball Islington League um, mm. a couple of weeks ago. And I love it. I think that the children in, in Islington, there's not much support for them in terms of netball, but I'm very passionate about helping them access more of it. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, it was something yeah. that, you know, changed my life. Yeah, sure. So can you talk a bit more about that, I suppose? Netball isn't something I know that much about. I have not really played it too much. But for me, I suppose the equivalent was football growing mm. up. And it very much part of why I do what I do is the experience I got from football when I was young. Yeah. Um, the release it gave me, the reason to go to school was about football mm. and in the playground. That was why I got up in bed in the morning to get, get dressed to go to school. Yeah, and at your lunch really quick, I imagine. Absolutely, all of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all of that. The reason why I stayed around the playground afterwards, why I got out of the house on the weekends, etc. Yeah. So, um, what was it about netball in particular? It was a family thing, really. My mum, so my mum was also very sporty. Um, she got involved in netball because we went to a local club um, in Hertfordshire at the time and my mum just one day coached a little bit and then the chair of our club said, well, you have to come every week now. So then mum was involved and my mum is such a committed, passionate person. That Her team just won the under-16 nationals this year, actually, her mm-hmm. club. She's a committed person, passionate. And I think I probably got it from her. The and I think that applies to any sport that you do and particularly with children at their primary school age, if you go in and you're passionate about something, it's infectious, whatever that is. So for me, it was netball. For you, it was football. But if you go in and show those children something is exciting about this, then they also see that excitement because it's in, in exciting to you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that, I think, is where it comes for me. Okay, brilliant. Um, after your... You, you must have made another decision after to stay on as a to do more university study, to be a teacher, and you then did some teaching at secondary. Mm. So the other big decision, I suppose, which would be interesting to reflect on is why did you stop doing that then? Why did mm. you stop being a secondary teacher? You, you talked about the passion you have, you love being around the kids. Surely that was the ideal career. It was just a life change. I had to move. My husband had to move. He um, used to, well, he is a builder, he was a builder, and he hurt his back. And so my dad said to him, and they wanted me to move back to London, move back down here from Birmingham. So my dad said, if you move back, I'll help you set up a company. So they did. He moved right. back first before me. Yeah. And I moved back and I said, you know, well, we've got this gap. Maybe we'll do a bit of travelling. And then because of my netball and my connections in Hertfordshire that people knew um, me through netball, one of the primary school teachers just said to me, do you want to come and do some work in our primary school? I know you're a teacher. Do you want to? So I said, yeah. And then, but in our role as well. So I used to teach at Bishop Challenger School, secondary school in Birmingham. And in the role up there, because we were a sports college, we were connected to our feeder primary schools. Yeah. Um, so we, as the, as the PE department, had to go in and deliver PE. And I didn't really see any, think too much about it at the time. You know, I just did it. It was my first role at teaching. I just went in and did it, enjoyed it. Um, but then sort of when I moved back down here and there, the teacher was saying to me, can you deliver PE? I, it's then that I sort of really started looking at the structure of primary PE. And the difference between that and particularly I remember thinking, I cannot believe how many children can't do a forward roll. Mm-hmm. I remember specifically mm-hmm. that, sure. that skill. Yeah. And I remember thinking, wow, when I was a secondary teacher and I'm teaching year seven and I was frustrated, at, not at the children at all, but frustrated at their previous learning experiences, mm-hmm. I thought, why have they come to us so inadequately prepared mm-hmm. for Absolutely. that skill? Yeah. And um, 
so yeah that's why I just thought let, let's do it before I go back into teaching and in a full-time role let's see if we can put something on here mm, okay yeah I, mean, I had a I, I had a text just the other day from a from a coach that works with me in, in with the secondary age groups who had gone in to do some primary um, work um, and he, he texted me and said I can't believe how many kids can't skip yeah they can't they don't know what skipping is they can't mm. get their knees and coordinated and yeah coordinated so they yeah. can actually move across the hall skipping and it, and it, it's actually interesting because it's like the whole conversation we had about do you are you taught to skip or do you learn to skip just by playing yeah. enough so is it that the children aren't being taught or is it that they're just not moving enough and mm. I don't know what the answer to all that is but it, yeah it's, it's definitely different from perhaps it used to be I think I think, I think there's a definite connection between the both I mean as I said to you previously, I've been going on a lot of PE conferences nationally recently because of Get Set for PE. And the message is very clear from all of them in that our children are less active than they've ever been before, ever been. And there's a whole you know, host of reasons behind that. And whilst, yes, school and PE has a big role to play in it, it is by no means the only solution. And all of these other things, home life and social restraints and screens and all of that play a massive part in it. Um, and I think we just had more opportunities to play when I was younger. Mm. But, you know, as I remember it, we had more opportunities to play. But having said that, you know, I still work in Montem now. And I think they do some fantastic stuff with their children. Like at lunchtimes, they have um, all of their inter-house competitions going on. They've restructured their playground so that they can have use of also the indoor facility where they get some of their staff delivering um, on different activities. And they've really, really thought about how to engage and how to provide something for a whole, you know, range of different needs and wants. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's move on to PE. So you, you've talked, you mentioned what high quality might be. That you've got an idea now of of what that might look like mm. in primary school. So in a primary school like Montem, which is, for those who don't know, quite a challenging school, isn't it? It's um, inner city Islington, mm. a very uh, mixed kind of demography. Um, a lot of children coming from low-income families and backgrounds mm. um, and some behavioural issues for, yeah. for quite severe ones for some of the teachers to deal with. Um, so what might high-quality PE look like in that kind of context? I think in the first instance you have to identify what is your objective for PE. Okay, so as a school, what is it? Do we just want to you know, get our children to be more healthy? Do we want them to be, um, you know, there's a big... Uh, focus on well-being now so do we want them to develop their social skills and happiness through PE mm. um, do we want them to become more resilient which is another key word that's been floating around um, and I think once you get those objectives you can then look at okay how do we make that happen so it has to come also the the vision from the top and it has to be supported by the vision from the top because as you know everyone in school has such a big list of things to do that if it's not pushed from the top if it's not made important then it won't be um, and then I think you have to look at how you meet those outcomes. So for me, for children to be healthy and, and for PE to support in that, you have to spark a passion for PE that will last them a lifetime. So it has to be fun, has to be engaging, has to be limited teacher talk time. So actually they're active and they're able to, oh, please, miss, let me just do it. I want to play. And there has to be that element of it. Um, they have to learn something that they might, might be able to take outside of school. Okay, I've loved this game. I really feel engaged by it. Maybe I can do that outside and, and see where that else that takes me. I think it has to be inclusive. So it can't always be about the winning side and the losing side. And, you know, God forbid it's out. 
Mm. You're, you're rubbish, sit on the side and watch everyone else do it. Mm. Um, and I think once you know those objectives, you can then look at your planning. Okay, how do I move into this lesson to meet those objectives? How do I make sure, are my games structured so that actually there's high inter- um, activity time where everyone's appropriately challenged, there's success levels for everyone, but that it's also fun, um, it's also engaging. Um, I make sure my transitions are super tight so that there's you know limited time where there's messing about. We, we've got 40 minutes probably, mm-hmm. if we're lucky, of a key sure. lesson. Um, how do I maximise the activity, fun, learning, um, health in all of that? Yeah. And it's quite a big yeah. ask, you know, it's it quite is. a lot. Yeah, that's really interesting that you started your answer there by talking about having a school vision or aim for, yeah. for PE in particular. Mm. I think maybe that that's where a lot of schools don't even begin like that. So um, it, it links to the role of the PE subject lead. Would you say that that's their their role, or is them and even above them? I think I think yes, definitely. When I meet schools who have a teacher, when a PE lead that is passionate about it, you know, and, and sometimes more often than not, they have some in- involvement. Not just sport, but physical activity. So, for example, when Francesca was at Montem, amazing. She was she hated PE as a, as a child. She told me she hated it. She felt she was rubbish. She never got picked. Blah blah blah. But in her adult life, she'd become engaged with physical activity. So she liked going to the gym. She liked running. She liked yoga. And that was what she brought into her PE. That yeah. actually is inclusive for everyone. So yes, the PE lead definitely has to drive it. But if they're not so engaged, then it has to be led from the top Mm. and it has to be shown that it's important. It's an important part of your school life. And, you know, I don't need to tell you this, but I so believe in the potential of PE and what it can do for whole school, not like more than any other subject, you know, I'm biased, but more than any other subject, I think PE is the one thing that can really hit so many um, whole school objectives. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I think from the top first. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and the high quality bit, some of the words you talked about, engaging and inclusive, and you talked about learning time. So what's the role of the teacher in all that then? So you've, you've talked a bit about, so you've got your school with a vision or mm-hmm. a name for it, which might come from the head teacher or the subject lead. You then got, somehow that's communicated to a class teacher who may not have the same passion, for yeah. example, or the same skills to maybe... Or confidence, the yeah. big one, yeah. Right. So then what's the role of that teacher in trying to deliver this if we're saying that actually we don't want them to intervene a lot yeah we want them to run some activities which are inclusive and appropriately challenged what how do they do that what's their i think the first thing for them that so they're and also they're not just thinking about them right so if they're the pe lead they have to manage their team of people Mm. or pe teachers as they will be within that lesson um so they have a really hard job because they're probably the most engaged and then they've got to also inspire everybody else who's like oh god no not pe so i think the first thing to do is make it um an encouraging environment for them. So first off, do you know what you're going to do? So putting in place some sort of PE planning. So what do we want our children to learn throughout their school life within PE? Now, I've seen that structured in many different ways. It can be, I want them to learn it because, you know, the national curriculum has changed and it's not as descriptive anymore. So there's more freedom in what people do. They might choose to do it through different sports. They might choose to do... For example, I've seen people say, I'm going to teach our children how to be resilient through PE, through basketball, and that's going to be our theme. Or empathy, I'm going to teach people, our people to be empathetic through PE. And then they have to look at their planning. They have to look at what activities am I going to do within that basketball lesson, for example, um, that will give children opportunities to learn, that will minimise my talking, 
how, how many um, times do I transition them? So am I going from a group of five to a group of two back to a group of five? Um, what are my questions going to be like within that? Just And sometimes I don't even need an answer. For this question, do I want an answer? Or for this question, am I just going to, you know, prompt thoughts? And these are the skills that teachers have. This is, I know that sounds like a lot, but these, the people we're talking about are people who are well-trained people in this role for a reason. And I think sometimes they just forget that they're such good teachers and actually the skills that they already know, you just need to transfer into a different environment and using different content. Um, so once they have something in front of them or they've thought about it beforehand that they know they're gonna go in and do, they automatically feel more confident in their delivery of that. Mm. Yeah, okay, so it's probably a good time to bring in the kind of the, the coaching private provider landscape part because what you've talked about, yeah, I, I, can, I can resonate with in, in the sense of helping teachers understand how good they are at doing this in the classroom yeah. and just bringing that through from mm. your new numeracy lesson where they're doing all this stuff yeah. into yeah. the peer environment. But a lot of, I, I was doing a CPD event yesterday for 17 young adults yeah, who, were, who were sort of starting their journey in, in, uh, in PE and teaching and they had specialised in PE so they were really really enthusiastic and they'd just come out of a placement um, and we spent the day together and about half of them hadn't had the chance to do PE in, in their schools because the schools had got a private provider coming, mm. the coaching company um, and that's becoming very common with the PE sport premium money that, that schools are spending it on that. Um, so that the coaches often don't have those skills. They won't be in the classroom yeah, doing absolutely. that. So how do we then help the kids get a better PE when the school has chosen a private provider? And how do we help the PE subject lead monitor and evaluate and improve PE in those circumstances? I would definitely question why you have a coaching company in. And I think there is a place for coaching companies in t some schools. And every school has different needs. Every child has different needs. So therefore, every school has different needs. Is your school... Um, a large school where you have two hours of PE and you have one that's taught by um, an outside provider and that maybe takes the role of PPA remember that shouldn't be spent out of your sports budget um, or is it and then the other lesson is um, by your classroom teacher or is it you're just using an outside provider for, to deliver your PE you're spending your sports premium funding on it and you are disconnecting, disengaging, unskilling your teachers, then that's a completely different matter. In which case, I would say it shouldn't be done. If you're using it for the former in which they're supporting the development of your PE, um, then absolutely. But monitoring the high quality PE of that, I, I say that your sports PE, your leader in school, your PE lead in school, should take time to go and monitor those lessons once every whatever. Um, there should be the same... Um, feedback and observations that you do on your own staff and expectations of that mm. and if it doesn't meet that criteria then are they the right provider for you are they the right provider for your pupils more importantly sure um so but i think as well i've actually seen a big drop in in the way that that coaching providers are used particularly in my company i mean yes we do still go into schools and deliver pe um, but also we've taken on a big, big role of uh, supporting teachers in their delivery. So, and it's not a permanent role. So sometimes we'll go in and do six weeks with one teacher and then six weeks with another and then six weeks with the other. And that would look like us leading, us leading, then us only um, delivering the main content with the teacher with the warm-up mm. and then reduced again. Mm. And then and then it actually last week we were observing, providing feedback and then we're out. Yeah. And even with that, I'm not saying then that teacher's fully confident. Mm. 
but I, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, okay. So um, when I first met you, I want, I want to talk a little bit about the organisations that you've, you've grown mm-hmm. um, and you've led. So um, when we first met, you had an organisation called Get Set for Sport. And I think at that time, you, you were putting coaches into schools. Yeah. Um, now you have an organisation, an additional one called Get Set for PE. So can yes. you talk us through that process of growth and, and how your thinking's changed and what you now do, especially with your Get Set for PE? So, yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, as I said to you previously, because I wanted Get Set for Sport to be of a standard and a quality that I would ex- that I would allow people to use it on my pupils if I was a head teacher. Um, Natalie and I put together um, lesson plans so that the content there was standardised. I mean, yes, obviously we have our procedures for who we would you know take on any you know they have to be of a set standard but also I wanted the content to be what I would expect to be delivered um with all the things that we've just said previously you know high activity time no outs etc um so because we put all those together and then we took on as the sports premium funding came out and then there's these guidelines of how to spend it we had a lot of schools saying to us would you come in and do some CPD with us? So, and then when we did, we had people say, oh, what lesson plans do you use? And said, so we wrote them. Mm. And they said, can we access them? So me and Natalie thought, okay, if we're going to put something out there, let's make sure it's um, not only the best quality. If, the biggest thing I think with teachers is they lack time. They have a massive, massive list of never-ending things to do. And because of that, Natalie and I thought it needs to be something that is really easy to use, easy to access, easy to follow, whilst maintaining the quality that we, you know, expect. And we sent out, because first of all, we were thinking maybe we'll do a folder, you know, like the old Val Saving folder. Mm. And um, it was my brother said to me, you need to ask your teachers what they want. So we sent out an email to all of the teachers we were in contact with, head teachers and PE leads, and every single one of them said, we want something online. Everyone. So, okay. everyone, so they didn't want a physical... They, they did not want. Every single one of right. them said, the first thing I want is it online. Yeah. Which was interesting to ask because that's not what we were going to do. But then the feedback was, if you go in my PE cupboard, you're going to find that Val Sabin book somewhere with half of it missing under something with the CD gone and the LCPs wherever. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen yeah, every yeah, school yeah. again. I, said, any, you got, I bet if we went to staff room here, that's exactly what we thought. Absolutely. Yeah. So I thought, okay, they've got a point. They said, I want something that when I'm in my classroom, I can put it on my computer whilst the children are getting changed. Not good practice, by the way. Print it off. And then I look, know what I'm doing, you know, in an ideal world, that's not how we tell people to teach. Yeah, I tell you, you need to know what you're doing yeah, beforehand. Yeah. But in the reality, day to day, what are they going to do? So um, so we did. We designed an online platform in which um, teachers have their own login to their own school page. They can design their school's curriculum map at, for the PE lead. And then teachers can go on, see what they're supposed to be teaching, access the lesson plan. You know, if they need music on there, it's attached to the platform so they can play it straight from their whiteboard. If there's a video resource for dance Mm. or how, what does a gymnastics forward role look like? Mm. There's videos Mm. of children doing that. Um, Actually from another school in Islington, actually. Hungerford, we filmed a lot of that in. Um, And then um, it's in one place. So that, by no means is that the answer to everything. Absolutely not. But is it going to make teachers feel more confident that they're stepping into a lesson knowing what they're doing? Is it going to make the effectiveness of their time better absolutely mm. um, it has exactly on there what equipment you need how many balls do you need for what many what questions are you asking teaching points differentiation you can only bring that to life if you're a good teacher number one mm. you know but it's helpful just to be like okay there's 
that much of my time I can refocus on the children rather than going oh god I don't know what I'm going to do so I'm just going to play football again or you know just going to give them a ball and see what happens yeah no understood okay so um how does that link with what you've talked about with the vision and objective of the school is there a way that that can be personalized your platform or your um selection of lesson plans or the way the emphasis so let's say you talked about maybe doing something around empathy and resilience yeah. let's say that was the piece of work is that something that can be a tailored joint yeah so there? actually interesting you say that natalie and i recently delivered a workshop up in wakefield to like 100 odd schools up there and we were looking at um the use of pe to develop whole school improvements mm. Um, and how how can we how can we do that through PE? So yes, here's our content, but how do we tailor that for us? So we thought about um, maybe putting specific lesson plans on the platform for resilience or empathy, and we decided against it because we thought it's not our job to tell the school what their goals are, and every goal is going to be different. Mm. And we don't want to give them something that then they then they're disengaged with. Yes, they deliver it, but are they actually tailoring it to their pupils? So we, instead, we created a tab on there. Where you can, on your curriculum map, drag your activities onto the table, we've created a blank activity box. So that underneath it, say you're going to do basketball or whatever, if your school value was empathy, resilience, uh, you know, determination, you can type that into that blank box and you can drag it underneath. So they can tailor, okay, we're going to teach this, um, but our school value is determination. So we're going to teach determination through basketball. Here's my content. Can I write some plans, some just key thoughts on here? You know, okay... What do I do when the teams do? Let's set them up so they win and they fail. Let me talk to them once they've won and they fail about, oh, how did that make you feel? Um, what do you need to do now to show that you're not mm. going to give up? Mm. Th that's, for me, how you then learn those key life yeah. skills. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, I did a CPD at Arsenal this week um, with teachers from Islington, and we looked at the three Cs of the Key Stage 2 National Curriculum, the mm. Communication, Collaboration, Competition. And how you how we teach those skills through small sided games. Yeah. And I think a lot of teachers have never really. I mean, the teaching knowledge generally of the national curriculum is really poor. Isn't yes, it? So absolutely. Like, yeah. I said which of the three key words yeah, people yeah. just blank. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they look around. Had, yeah. So, so they had loads of guesses, and eventually yeah. we got it. it yeah. Like, well done. So, um, but but the idea that we we're not just teaching basketball yes. in term one, and then gymnastics in yeah. term two and then athletics in the summer with loads of relay races, etc., mm. um, is quite new for a lot of teachers, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Um, so I was trying to get across that actually, if we look at these three C words, and we then, it doesn't necessarily matter what content we have about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Could be, could be anything, could, could be anything, apple. yeah. But the key things are the questioning then, and the observation, and as you said, the reflection on feelings yeah. is around those three things. Absolutely. Yeah. Why was it difficult to work in this part of mm. the group, but, but it wasn't difficult to work with those people? And well, you actually see a big shift. So I did one in a school in Camden recently. They asked me to come in and do a sports day. So I did, but I did it around their school values. So I did, um, what did I do? Handball. And we did a competition for every year group. Um, yes, this was our format, but I was talking to them about their school key values. And when they were losing, I stopped them and said, what school value do we need now? And they, they said, I need determination. We need to communicate to be able to make that happen. And the change in their approach to PE, mm. so that even the ones that weren't achieving in that moment were achieving because they were showing me they could be yeah, determined. Yeah, and I've seen that done really well in swimming, actually. Um, 
which isn't something we usually we usually talk about because swimming's usually almost always done separately yeah. from the school by by a private provider mm. who really is so separate that, that the school values bit doesn't really link at all. No. But swimming's the ideal platform, I think, the ideal content you know, to, to, to explore things like determination, for, mm. especially for kids who can't swim yet. Yeah. And um, so I've seen it done once really well, where a class teacher's obviously accompanied the group and from the side of the pool has been talking to individuals about these kind of things, resilience and determination. And I think swimming Amazing. has the opportunity to do some really clever work with linking the children who can do it together with the children who can't yet to look at those values yeah. because at the moment if you look at the way swimming's done in particular everyone's separate oh totally yeah and it's so, very clear that you're not very good yes. and you're really good and you can yes. swim up there and you can't right but there's no collaboration between yes. the two is there? Yeah. it's just it's, off you that's go where you're at yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and and that's okay i suppose to an extent if if the teaching's then really good around uh, to, for those who can't do it yet, but I think there's so many opportunities then to bring people together, which can happen in a, a handball game. Mm, absolutely, because you can mix them together. Yeah, and you can have the ones who are actually really good technically mm. helping the ones who are probably a bit poorer technically, but the ones who are actually better at the determination part yeah. can maybe help those who. I actually aren't. think as well that's something that would bring teachers more engagement into PE. I think changing the mindset of the you know the people who were delivering it we can talk all day about it but it's it, who is tomorrow or today in an hour going into that classroom and delivering PE and what is their approach to it and how do they feel towards it they're the people who we need to change the mindset of and actually if they can see that PE can be more than maybe what they've experienced before mm. then that's so empowering mm. um Natalie and I've thought so much about this actually we've just put we've started putting together a series of workshops called The Key to Unlocking the Potential of PE. Mm. And it's all about um, our, our three things are healthy, resilient and happy children. How do you create those children? What do you want your children to leave your school being? Yeah. And it's, yes, physically literate. Yes, absolutely. But more than that, and as I come back to the point I made earlier, I feel like PE is the area where you can access that the most. But that is a very scary concept to teachers who are already a little bit nervous about delivering it because they don't know what to do. Mm. Okay, you want me to teach them be, to be resilient through doing what? Mm. And I think that's where that's where the content needs to help them first. So I've, I have this structure. Okay, now now let me go to work on it. Now let me bring it to life with my school values and my mm. um, you know objectives, my pupils. Yeah, yeah. And. Um, I don't have too much more to discuss, actually, to be honest. But how do people get in touch with you? You've talked a lot about what you do. Um, I hope it's made sense to people who might listen. <laughs> yeah. um, how do people get in touch with you if they want to? Um, so they can contact us on um, getsetforpe at gmail.com or getsetforsport at gmail.com or um, our website's www.getsetforpe.co.uk. Similar sports, current theme here. Um, <laughs> and my telephone number is 07814. Two zero nine eight zero seven. Okay, um, and briefly then, what's the plans for the, next the future? Yeah, Take over good. the world? <laughs> no. <Okay>. Well, <laughs> interestingly, um, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm actually meeting with the um, Department for Education for the Cayman Islands. Um, a, a school in Birmingham are using our platform, and they're connected to the Cayman Islands. And he loved it so much, he wants to come meet with us so they can use it all over there. So. Wow. Which, I, know, <laughs> which yeah. I might have to go and just do a recce on just to make sure it's safe. Um, but yeah, so exciting, exciting. I'm, but in all honesty, I think it's just very, as I said, I love PE, it changed my life. And I think once we change the mindset of the teachers delivering it, mm. then I think that's a step in the right direction. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Cheers.